Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10. This is your daily roundup. The biggest stories from across the world written by our correspondents and contributors at The Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. Coming up on today's podcast, we find out why the situation in Sudan has escalated so quickly. Also, how TikTok is fueling a rise in Chinese migrants crossing the Darien Gap, plus how it's a Hollywood ending in Wrexham. Today's podcast starts with the escalating violence in Sudan. The latest development is that the White House has confirmed the US military has removed American diplomats and their families from Khartoum. It is the second evacuation of foreign citizens since violence erupted in the Sudanese capital last week. And the UK government has now said it's considering ways to get its staff out of the country. Alex Rondos was the EU special representative to the Horn of Africa until 2021. While foreigners are leaving, the citizens of Sudan are stuck there, caught but in a crossfire. And the humanitarian crisis could become quite catastrophic and very, very rapidly. So while some are planning how to pull out, others have to work out how to get help in very, very fast. Azam is based in Khartoum and told me the situation is becoming desperate. The supply chain of food is now destroyed and we don't have access to health uh, and medical support and pharmacies and we are going to lose our food uh, shortly. Now it feels as an onlooker that this situation in Sudan has gone from zero to full-scale war in a matter of days. And in today's Times of London, Sudanese journalist Nima Elbajir explains what is happening in her country. She writes that the hostilities mark an existential struggle for control between the leader of the army and the leader of Sudan's paramilitary forces. Nima also highlights the role of Russia in the conflict. This is a must-read if you want to fully understand what is happening in Sudan. Why not take out a time subscription to read that article in full? A story that really caught my eye this week was a joint piece by Times contributors in Beijing and Latin America on the rise of Chinese migrants crossing overland to get to the United States. They're using a treacherous route which begins in South America, aided by translation apps and how-to TikTok videos. Stephen Gibbs is the Times Latin America correspondent. He spoke to me from Venezuela. What we've been seeing is a vast increase in the number of Chinese nationals that are coming all the way from China, landing in South America, and then sort of engaging in this epic journey, uh, quite a lot by foot, uh, at least 5,000 kilometers from Ecuador, where they they tend to, to arrive because they don't need visas, all the way up to the Mexican border with the United States. It it takes weeks or months, and there are some very, very 
difficult challenges along the way. And probably the most serious is the Darien Gap, which is links South and Central America, links Colombia and Panama. And it was until relatively recently considered almost impossible to cross there. It's a jungle, mountainous region. Now, because a whole lot of migrants are attempting it, there is something of a path through it, but it's extremely tough hike. And people who've been there all say that, you know, some people don't make it. There are, uh, there's a sort of smell of death, they say, as you, as you do that two to five day trek. Now, let me give you an idea of the numbers. So between October and February, US Customs and Border Protection agents, they detained 4,271 Chinese citizens along the southwestern border. Now, that's 12 times the number in the same period a year earlier. So you can see there's a real difference. And they've been inspired by TikTok videos like this. Este río nos lo encontramos luego de salir del segundo campamento. En esa área so the video shows a group of men, women and children crossing a fast-flowing river. It's up to their necks. They're holding their belongings above their head. It looks terrifying. And it's these DIY TikTok videos, which Stephen tells me is fueling the increase in the number of people making the journey from China. In the article, you can read some unbelievable first-hand accounts. One particularly striking was this guy called Old Yang. He's actually not that old. He's in his 40s. Uh, he went with, with a five-year-old child. And the most amazing thing, really, about the story was he never gave up. You know, he kept having these massive obstacles, including being held at gunpoint at one point and extorted for several thousand dollars, and then arrested three times in Mexico. It's this sort of snakes and ladders uh, journey that, that migrants face. They almost get there, then they get arrested or they get taken by gunmen and they get sent back a few hundred kilometres, then they try again. And you can read more accounts like that of Old Yang in Stephen Gibbs and Didi Tang's article, which is online now. So we'll have a look now at the Sunday Times magazine, which features celebrity interviews, insightful investigations, as well as cultural news. My colleague Amy Gill's been having a look through this week's edition. And what can readers expect, Amy? So the main feature this week was the headline, What Men Really Think About Modern Dating by My Exes. Times News feature writer Megan Agnew asks, Is masculinity in crisis with young men toxic or terrified of sex? On the flip side, his comedian Shazia Mirza tells us not to pity a woman on her own. The solitude is bliss. There's also an in-depth interview with pop-slash-reality star Peter Andre, how he was bullied as a child and shook off his Jehovah's Witness upbringing. But I got to sit down with Sunday Times journalist Hadley Freeman, who's written about the history of Barbie, ahead of the new release of the Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie this summer. She told me why Barbie, after 64 years, remains such an icon. Mattel has been very clever with Barbie in, you know, kind of trying to make her respond to the eras. So, you know, within a few years, Mattel kind of almost, you know, slowly, <laughs> belatedly branched into making Barbies of different uh, races and eventually of different ethnicities. Um, in recent years, 
there has been much fanfare about the different body size Barbies, although they're all still, you know, relatively pretty small. Even the curvy one is, um, as the BBC calculated, only a UK size eight. But more, more sort of attention grabbingly is Barbie with the different jobs that reflect the different eras, sort of the yuppie Barbie of the 80s that I had, or um, surfer Barbie and babysitter Barbie of the 1970s. But the, the real reason why she endures is that little girls love her. And the reason they love her is because she looks like a grown up. And this is the key. Before Barbie first came along, there were only baby dolls, leading Mattel to ask why young girls can't play with make-believe versions of their future selves. So in that sense, Barbie is something of a feminist icon. But Hadley and I also discussed how Barbie can warp young girls' visions of what women look like. I grew up playing with Barbies and I later developed an eating disorder. I mean, I would I wouldn't blame Barbie for that, but it definitely doesn't help. On the other hand, when they do try to change Barbie, little girls tend to go for the classic version. You know, there was a Forbes article that said, you know, only one, I think it was one in five Barbies sold is brunette. You know, little girls like the blonde you know, classic Barbie in the same way they like Disney princesses to be thin and pretty. We finished today's podcast with what can only be described as a Hollywood ending. The referees blow the whistle. There's the pitch invasion. Wrexham are back in the football league. And the people of Wrexham are going absolutely mad. They are Hollywood owners wanting a Hollywood ending. Wrexham are the champions of the National League. That's the moment when lowly Wrexham, the oldest football club in Wales, gained promotion after 15 years. The club's owners, Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, were in attendance as they beat Boreham Wood 3-1 to return to the English Football League. Now, it's the pair's first full season in charge. Manager Phil Parkinson says it's been quite a journey. I think everybody knows now about 15 years outside the league and, and the journey that this club has been on throughout those 15 years has been torturous at times you know, the club nearly going out of business and the owners coming in and, and what they've done and, and the positivity in the town about the football club and how they as long as the players and the staff have galvanised that um, has been very special and I genuinely feel this is just the start of a journey. Meanwhile goalkeeper Ben Foster says the actors deserve huge credit for what they've done at the club. They're brilliant. They absolutely love it. They're fully in. I mean, fully in. Like they're they're like the one of the boys at times. They won't come in shouting and raving. They come in and they celebrate and they get behind the lads because they understand that you're not always going to win. You're not always going to play ten out of ten. You're not. And that's the beauty of what they do. They don't always expect instant results. I reckon there'll have been a few sore heads this morning. And that is it for today's World in Ten. We're back tomorrow. 